Hey, welcome to A Conversation With. My name is Philip DeFranco. Uh, we are here because I'm finally ready to have conversations again. And we have uh, a personal favorite and a fan favorite, Dr. Mike. How you doing? What is going on? See, this is why this is why people think liberals are insane elitists. You can't. This is what's happening. This is what my desk looks like, Phil. This is what's happening in my life right now. While people are talking about politics, this is what I have going on. <laughs> yeah, can you uh, can you explain to me this head? That's I'm just going to open well, up with that because it's you, you seem very excited all, about it, and it's freaking me out. Whoever's doing this is very wealthy. Um, because these things are the most expensive products I've ever purchased. They're for universities. And I decided as a learning tool, I should have the entire human body piece by piece. Okay. It's a car payment. Really? Like a full car. Like a full car is a human body. That's how much these things cost. Wait, so that head is what? Is like 8K? Uh, like the, the, the body is like 10K. Then you need the bones because the bones apparently don't come with the organs. And then you need another few thousand for the bones. Each system, it, it, you know, it's another 10. Exactly. They're really smart in how they do this. But I will say it's very anatomically accurate. So I just thought we could start off with my friend here. Yeah, I was going to I was gonna try and impress you and be like, yeah, you know, the endocrine system. That's something <laughs> I remember from like 12 years ago when I thought that I was going to be smart enough to be a doctor. But then I was like, nope. <laughs> Thank God YouTube's here because otherwise I wouldn't even have enough money to eat uh, lunch at Sheets. Which do you do? You, you interviewed Fauci. You're already a doctor. I'm a doctor now. No, well, <laughs> apparently I'm fucking more qualified than 60%. No, no, no. 40% of people. Did you fucking see, actually, on the note of Fauci, and this is going to be probably old news by now, did you see that clip yesterday of fucking. The fire Fauci thing? No, the. Yeah, well. <sighs> The fire Fauci is tame by comparison. The, the Steve Bannon thing where he got uh, banned because he was oh, like. Oh, yeah. Didn't he like say he wants to behead him or he's something? Like, he's like, we should behead him. Uh, put. Uh, I almost went Alex Jones voice. Uh, <laughs> he's like, you put heads on spikes. And it's just like, how do people listen to you, you fucking psychopath? It's, it's not. I mean, anytime you're. Ad I don't know if I need to even clarify this, <laughs> but anytime you're advocating for cutting off a doctor's head. Probably uh, not on the right side of history, I'm going to imagine. The, your head is probably the one that is suffering. <laughs> uh, so how are you uh, How are you feeling today? I, I don't, I don't, I was saying this video is going to be a little bit of a time capsule because we're recording yeah. this on Friday well, as everything's developing with the election. Actually, I woke up yesterday and I had a hospital shift and my throat hurt. I was like, oh my uh, God, did I get COVID? So I went and got rapid tested, negative for COVID, positive for strep. Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, like the, the uncoolest time to have strep throat. Like it's not even fun. Well, no, I'm glad you're not. I know that. I know that. Uh, you know, Trump said November fourth, it's disappearing because it's part of the <laughs> hoax. And a bunch of fucking shills and hacks on on the internet have been like, notice how no one's talking about it. It's like, bitch. I was like, I know we had over a hundred thousand cases today. It was uh, or yesterday it was worse, right? It was like a hundred seventeen yeah, yeah. or something. We like just that. keep setting all time highs. Yeah. Which, which was like, it was like, I, I will say it's one of the, the harder things when I was trying, when we were talking about, uh, on the show, like trying to activate the vote and specifically first time voters or people that had maybe been indifferent and stuff like that, especially in the last week where it was like, there were so many conversations about the mailing system, be careful, like delays are happening, whether for nefarious reasons or not. Um, and, and then it was like, and so you're in this situation where you're going to go. And it's not and not necessarily is everyone going to wear a mask 
especially yeah. considering who's voting on election day, uh, given how much like in a lot of places that you could you could do the mail in ballots. So I think like that's also a thing to consider, like people that had genuine fear of COVID-19 putting their health at risk because they're worrying about the uh, the health of the country, which I think is, yeah. it's, I don't know, it, uh, <laughs> this morning. It's funny because as a doctor, I've seen all sides of that spectrum. People yeah. who are incredibly worried to the point where they're like isolating. And sometimes I would say even a little bit unnecessarily because mm. they're not at the higher risk end of the population. They're not spending time with their relatives. But then I also see people who are like, no mask, complete conspiracy. You doctors don't know what you're talking about. And I have to somehow bridge these conversations and bring them to a, a happy medium. Well, actually, so on the note, because you said you took a, a rapid test. Yep. Has that has that gotten to a point where it's like, they know with specific tests, okay, these are actually reliable. Because I know for a while, at the very least, there were concerns about the validity of or the uh, how correct those rapid yeah. tests were compared to the, the longer ones. Yeah, they're they're not as good as the proper PCR so still, nasal swab, okay. but they're very very close. They're in the nineties still. And I also simultaneously got antibody testing done, mm. which obviously, if you're sick right away, you may not see it. But mine were negative also, so it's like double confirmation. Yeah. Yeah, this, uh, th yeah, but it's funny that you say like, oh no, I have this and I, it sucks that you have strep this week. I don't, I think it was from a mixture of not being able to sleep because it was just, and being so incredibly anxious and, and, and stressed out of my fucking mind. Um, and still having to be kind of like <laughs> the, the calm adult in the room. Uh, but yeah, allergies fucking kicked me in the face and I was like, am really? I, yeah, I was like, am I dying? What has happened? Like, it was just, you know, dry. Kind of like that. What are you allergic thing. to? Do you know? Like, I think life. I think I. I just don't take <laughs> care of myself, and so uh, every every like every. And I don't know what. Uh, maybe everyone always says shit like Santa Ana wins and blah 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 blah. I'm like I don't know. I I just I know that. Also, I got my. Uh, you'll be proud. I got my flu shot this week. Um, yes. I don't. Think, I just partnered with the American Heart Association oh. on a big campaign for that. So like. Good job, Phil. Yeah. I'm proud of you. I'm, you know, I'm just. You're not a science denier. <laughs> you got a flu shot, one. you shill. You, <laughs> you want everyone to be microchipped. You want Bill Gates. I don't know. I don't know. It's always something with Bill Gates. Uh, <laughs> but are you in a? What's what's the what's the rest of what's your life like right now? Like, has it has it gotten crazier? I had the craziest week of my life last week. Yeah. The, no, the craziest 24 hours. I think this is probably why I got strep throat. My immunity died. And if I tell you, you'll think I'm, I'm, I'm lying. No, walk me through it. Okay. So you've reported on swatting before on your show, correct? Yeah. Many times, actually. Yeah. I've seen it. Unfortunately, yeah. I basically got swatted last week. What? Um, someone called and said, I have a weapon and I'm suicidal. And six armed police officers came to my dad's house because... That's what's listed on the internet and woke my poor father up. Who's also a doctor at 4 AM knocking on his door. Your son's in trouble. Can we come in? All this stuff scared the life out of him. He got me on the phone real quick. I'm also like, he calls me and he speaks, me and him speak Russian together. And he goes, Mike, do, in English, do not speak in Russian. There's police here. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> and I started speaking in Russian again. Like I went back to him. He goes, stop speaking in Russian. I'm like, what is happening? And then the cop finally took the phone and I talked to them and explained what was going on. And I could hear one of the other officers be like, oh, I watch his channel. I'm oh, like, oh, God. okay. So like people know what's going on. So that was kind of crazy because I was not suicidal. I was in bed ready to uh, do the news in the morning. 
Yeah, I was going to go on a news program. That sucks. Is that the first time that's ever happened to you? Yeah, yeah. For police to get involved and come and all that. So. And is, is there any any kind of development there? Is there any going to be like any pursuit to try and figure it out? They said it was my girlfriend from Bulgaria. <laughs> Which I do not have. I hope I like. Oh, okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, so it was the person saying they were. Okay, because I thought you were saying it was your girlfriend no, from no, no, Bulgaria. Like, it's I was like, my girlfriend from Bulgaria. I was like, you got revenge and, uh, swatted? When the police walked into my dad's house, they were like, does your son, is he living here? He's like, no. Uh, they're like, where is he? He's like, he's in Manhattan. And then they say, well, does he have a girlfriend? And he, my dad's like, he's 30. I hope he has a girlfriend. <laughs> like in the middle of the night, he doesn't know what to say in his underwear. And they're like, well, his girlfriend from Bulgaria said he's in trouble. And I was like, what Bulgaria? Like who's doing this? And some of my friends said they got DMs from random people saying the same. So it's kind of unfortunate. That would, hey, if you, if you did have a, a girlfriend from Bulgaria, good on her for somehow figuring out how to call police in that specific area. Right? If I was how do on, they get? If I was on the phone with someone and they got into a car crash and they were in a different county, I'd be like, I have no idea how to notify the right people. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm going to call out here, get put on hold. It's not going to be great. No, it's true. But my day didn't end there, Phil. Yeah, walk me through it, man. I did not really sleep that night because of that. I just woke up and ended up uh, going on the new show an hour later. And um, I had a date later that evening. Not with a girlfriend from Bulgaria, with someone else. And it was going well. Everything was was swell, if I dare say. And then she said, my eyes are getting itchy. I think I'm allergic to your dog, Bear. So I said, oh, let me give you, you know, some allergy medicine. I gave her a Claritin. Ten minutes later, she excuses herself to the restroom, comes out and says, I'm really embarrassed. I'm like, what's wrong? She goes, I'm going into anaphylactic shock. And my mind, because maybe I'm scarred from YouTube, and I'm like, she definitely saw the video of the guy in the airplane. I'm like, are you sure? Like, are you sure that's what's happening? <laughs> and I look in her throat. It's almost completely swollen shut. I'm like, what are you allergic to? She says, walnuts. I'm like, we didn't eat at all, let alone walnuts. And then it hits me very slowly, Phil. A few hours before she came by, I ate some walnuts as a snack. And when she came by, we kissed. I must have had walnut residue, transferred it to her, nearly killed her. Wow. So wait, so what? Okay. So did you have to get an EpiPen? I had an EpiPen, luckily. She didn't know how to use it, but I luckily I know how to do that because I found myself in these situations before. Um, I gave it to her, took her to the emergency room, and probably left the emergency room at like 3 a.m. So another night, no sleep. And that's probably two nights in a row not sleeping why Shrek decided to come visit me. God. But we saved a life. Yeah, we almost took a life, really. So it's kind of a net neutral situation, isn't it? it they, should, they should make a kiss of death thing. Like, <laughs> so, someone's going to do a YouTube video. Dr. Mike kissed me, almost killed me. So if uh, if she or you didn't have a, an EpiPen, is that just a rush to the, the emergency room situation? or no, is there like, like I'm calling the squad. Calling them now and just like got to yeah, get them. Yeah, because I, I wouldn't be able to get there fast enough. Jeez. Man. Yeah. I used to, I, I will say, I didn't realize... Is it is it like a decent percent of the population that has a nut allergy? I don't know the exact numbers, but it's definitely growing. It's growing. Yeah, because I, I know that like in the past, I used to make jokes about it because it so seemed like the like most odd thing in the world, right? It was like, if you have like a nut allergy, maybe that's just God's way of saying you're, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're taking up space. Oh, well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. No, no, not from you. But that was like a comedian thing. People would say yeah. that, like, shit, like, if a peanut is going to kill you, like, I think that was a Louis C.K. joke. Actually, but it's like, people. then actually, <laughs> I, I, and I credit the internet to this to a certain degree of people actually being able to share, like, 
how deadly it is. Like once you actually come across someone that's like, I went through this. I literally almost am not here because of it. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'll get some fucking sunflower butter for my kid. (laughs) I guess (laughs) I'm not going to fight it. Well, no, that's, I mean, like, okay. So this is a catch 22 type scenario. Because early introduction of peanuts to children reduces peanut allergies. They eat it at home. They're fine at home. But it's like if I make them something for the school, I have to do it. Unless it's like uh, like right now they're doing um, super, super minimal. Uh, like uh, if, the, uh, if the COVID positivity rate is under a certain level, they're allowing schools in certain counties to open up if the class size is 10%. Um, and then... There's all this like crazy stuff where like even if we had like, let's say you visited me from out of town, we'd have to have our kid out of class for 14 days. Like, really? Uh, yeah. But how and do they keep track of that? Are I they think that's, I, I think, yeah, I think that's the main thing is self-reporting. Um, every morning you have to, before you even try and go to the school, you have to fill out a health thing of like, <laughs> if, if a well, kid even has a fever, they're sending everyone home for two weeks. Well, yeah. And so it's just like, Cause it's, it's, and so it's like that thing of like, yo, <laughs> do you like actually being able to work during the day? You don't want to fuck this up. You're going to do this. And, uh, and because it's so limited, um, it feels it, but, and, and it was one of those things that it was, we were initially kind of like 50, 50 on, but, uh, our youngest is at kindergarten age. And so he wasn't getting much out of zoom. Um, he was feeling somewhat connected, but, uh, yeah, it was just, it was really hard. Like I, I feel yeah. like I, I, I feel for a lot of parents out there, but it's, I feel like, especially for pre-K and K and first graders and shit like that, it's so hard because it's, it's social development. It's just such a key age. Yeah, no, it, you're very right. And that's why even on my YouTube channel, I was advocating for starting the process to reopen schools as early as possible in a hybrid model. And I got a lot of pushback. A lot of teachers were saying like, you don't care, you're yeah. putting us at risk and that's certainly part of the equation, but there's so many factors that you have to take into consideration. And you have to be honest that teachers could get sick and we may have to shift policies. But right now, the evidence points to kids doing faring better with the virus uh, than adults. We see less transmission in children uh, from the preliminary numbers. All of that can change. And like we just mm-hmm. have to be able to pivot and respond to that change. But right now, like even in my local area, we're doing well. Like we're making progress. We're making more days in school. The hybrid model seems to be working and uh, at least my nephews are happy because they're seeing their friends somewhat. <laughs> yeah, it's and and like and that's the thing is I, I respect it. I, I I do kind of like I do draw the line at the place of like if your area has a rough positivity rate and you're you're going like everyone should go back to school in person. And it's like, why? Oh, no, 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 that's not, that's but I think that's it's unreasonable. Also- and that's why there's no one size fits all solution. And yeah. nobody wants to hear that. Everyone wants to either be team reopening schools or team not. And it's not that simple. There's nuance. You know that. Nuance on the internet. Fuck you, Dr. Mike. (laughs) You Russian spy in the pocket of someone. Uh, Someone, I just did a whole partnership with the UN and people are like, ha, you're being paid by the CDC. I'm like, the UN and the CDC have nothing in common. I love love your partnerships versus my partnerships. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're like, I just teamed up with the UN. I'm like, well, I got a sweet deal with Robinhood. Uh, they're a great investment app, Robinhoodfill.com. Big fan. You know, that's, funny. that's what it is. Well, we got to save lives, Phil. 
we're, we're each doing our part. I'm, uh, you know what? I, uh, I have this, like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to gauge what makes sense for level of self-importance. I know you jokingly said this is, this is therapy session number two with us, but I've been trying to, like, I feel, I feel somewhat vindicated. I don't know if I should say this publicly. I feel I somewhat, I feel somewhat validated this year. Um, I, I feel like I made like a big shift towards, you know, trying to, rip away what about isms in my any of my coverage uh, rip rip out any kind of false equivalency bullshit cuz you know I want to make sure I have an audience of a certain size and really go after abuses of power and just uh, destruction of norms and endangering lives uh, because of someone's ego uh, and then people denying science and activating maybe people that were more indifferent in past years to and, and get actually get out to vote and I feel like I'm going to do the slightest pat on my back but I feel like Everyone this year, if you did something, as long as it wasn't that like I, I kind of joked about it on Twitter today, that like remaining silent the entire time, and then you post like an "I voted" sticker, and you're like, "I did my part," um, and you and you have like an audience of hundreds of thousands or millions of people. Uh, I really hope I don't think it's going to happen. I really hope people remember. I really fucking hope people remember how quiet you were, um, because it, I feel like this wasn't a year where it's both sides are evil. There's it, it's not like it's not that. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I feel like people will not take that into consideration as much as you hope they will. No, and I, but I don't think they will. they will. Like it won't be a punishment for those who stayed quiet or didn't comment anything. But there will be a reward for those like yourself who took a stance. Now people relate to you, understand what you stand for, understand where your values lie, as opposed to if you're just completely, you know, objectively covering, or maybe not even objectively, but just kind of not taking a stance. Now people know. And you've given yourself value in the process. Because I remember last time we spoke, you were saying, ah, what does my channel do? Nothing. Yeah, no. Not and, I, true. and I think even from that conversation, it, it kind of gave me a little bit of a spark, even though I was <laughs> still exhausted at that point. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm exhausted now, but I'm, I'm uh, high on caffeine and current events. Uh, but no, but and, and I also I want to point out, like what I'm saying here isn't just like a pat on my back and influencer focus. Like if. On a, on a personal level, I had a conversation with someone November 2nd in a, in a deeply red state. It wasn't going to go like it's not even a toss up and just having like a conversation. Personally or on personally, podcast? Personally, personally. No, 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 personally. Um, and I, <laughs> I won't throw out their name. Uh, but, you know, they were kind of like walking me through like their thoughts on why things were essentially even. Like it's, I, you know, it's the same thing. Flip a coin. And like walking them through their personal beliefs, whether it be moral, religious, uh, lived experience, stuff that they might not have ever like heard someone else talk about. And we got on like this and it's, it's, <laughs> it's an uncomfortable conversation for us, you know, a number of white guys to have, uh, especially this is, is another rich white guy. And just like trying to explain without that they're, you know, about white male privilege versus white guilt because i think there was a lot of fault like a lot of people attribute it to that it's like oh i gotta feel bad about myself or that i'm wrong and it's like no <laughs> that's not what it is but it's just like part of this was important to me because you know access to trying trying to get more access to healthcare in an affordable manner with pre-existing conditions that's always been an important thing to me just because my dad and me and stuff like that um where it's like if yeah if this election went either way it's like i'm gonna be fine why because i have money um, and like, and I'm still going to have opportunities. And I think that's, that's a really important thing is like 
trying to think of the the we rather than the me, which is especially it was hard for me um, because I was very much raised to think me, me, me. Um, but it's like I I got my mask on. <laughs> I've had my mask on for a while. Like I'm, I'm looking I'm looking to see what can I do. And I, I, I there's part of me that I feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about it because I know that if you don't know me or my character, it might feel a little bit like I'm self-congratulating um, or like, I don't know, I feel like people love to say virtue signaling, signaling anytime you uh, you say something that's not just like completely shitty. Uh, <laughs> but like, I don't know, uh, since our last chat and since I've been kind of so focused on this, I feel like a number two priority in my life is also just being someone that if I looked back in 10 years, I'd go, that's a good person. Um, rather than, you know, thinking about pushing my career forward first and foremost. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's nice that like you've broadened your focus and definition of what success means for you, right? That's what it sounds like. That's what I'm getting from it. That before it was like audience growth, show success. That was what you judged your success on. Now it's who am I as a person? What are we doing as a collective we? Um, what impact am I having? Uh, not so much on the numbers, but on the individuals that I'm speaking to and you're starting to see the bigger picture. Like you've moved away from the elephant and you're not just seeing gray. Yeah. 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 What's crazy. Have you seen like, I don't know if you want to keep this in or not uh, to me um, during COVID there's been a ton of bailouts and small business paycheck protection programs out there. And I have some friends that I know are well off and have essentially taken advantage of it. And mm -hmm. when I say friends, I mean, acquaintances like loosely associated with from my childhood um i've also seen because it's public information very big youtube names who have taken yeah. jeffrey star monster sums mr of money. beast i believe phase clan yeah yeah and i'm like dude youtubers are cleaning up right now like yeah it it's a, a it's a it's like a weird time and i could have easily applied for the same thing same. But i'm like how in my right mind did you ever see cinderella man a uh, boxing movie, right? Russell Crowe boxing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we talked about it on our last Maybe, conversation. I, too. I feel like I referenced this movie too much, but during the Great Depression, he got a loan, and he didn't want to take it. He was very prideful, but he got a loan from the government. Not a loan; it was like a rescue bailout check. He got it, and then when he started doing well in boxing again, he came back as this famous boxer and gave it back, which was not needed. But it was a strong moment showing that he has a responsibility to his country, and he said, "I I'm fortunate enough to live in a country." that is helps a man when he's down and I want to repay that debt versus I see people who are crushing, taking these loans away from people who like really need them. And I'm like, I can't wrap my head around this. I don't know. Maybe you know something I don't. Well, with Jeffree Star, I feel like Jeffree Star, it's so jarring because you, it's just, it's wealth thrown in your face is, is the brand. That's what I'm saying. Like if you have a Lambo, do not take a small Business paycheck protection program. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's not going to take this. And uh, even like, so talking this out, I feel like I got to kind of digest some of it. Because like with the Jeffree Star, I'm like, yeah, no, no, fuck Jeffree Star. Um, as far as taking money that could have gone to it. No, I mean, and Jeffree Star can come for me. I don't think I'm so fucking small compared to him. But it's like, yeah, no, fuck you. Uh, as far as like taking that and you have so much excess and that could have gone elsewhere. But the thing is like, 
It's also taking into account he is a representation of a much larger problem that was uh, abused by so many others. Yeah, I mean, you're so talking about childhood Jake friends Shack and, and all these like companies. I think yeah, and there's like a bunch of other names that I, I think, but I don't want to throw out because I don't want to I don't want to accidentally uh, you know slander someone. But um, the Mr. Beast thing, um, he hit me in DMs after I uh, or hit me up, not attacked me uh, in DMs. Uh, he's a nice guy. He explained it. It made a lot more sense, but <laughs> still rubbed me the wrong way. Like I started uh, Patreon and everyone was pushing me to do this to create a community so we can all talk and this and that. And I'm like, but I don't want to take money from my fans. Like I already do well enough. I, like, why would I take money from my viewers? So we decided, well, let's take money to make sure the community's clean and you're getting motivated people in. But then every month, all the members get to vote and decide where that money goes to what charity. That's interesting. Because like, who would, like, do you really need more money? Like, I can't imagine. Maybe because I grew up so poor and I've already, like, been so successfully blessed and all that. That what do you need more money for? Like, once you have your first Lambo, do you really need another, like, giant house? I don't get it. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I can't it's wrap like my head around it, Phil. I just can't. And especially you're in the public facing sphere. Like people are going to see this. Like you don't care. Like, I don't know. I'm yeah, not virtue you by the way. <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean, I mean with a Jeffree star, I, I always think like there's only so much that it can hit him. He has, uh, he has that sort of base that there's a, a section that is unwavering. And there are certain creators that thrive off of, uh, any sort of controversy. So it's just, him in the light and then based off of like how re how he reacts or how he doesn't react that ends up in on insider.com or yeah, yeah something else and i don't know but i mean it's just strange but yeah, it's like kind of kind of that same point of like uh trying to activate audience or not it's one of those things of is that something that people are going to remember uh probably not um it was a momentary thing where people like either they think that's shitty or that's not and but i also have to check myself because once again like like with uh mr beast I, I understand his explanation for it. Uh, I understand like, especially based off of like cost versus when you get money. Um, it, like when COVID happened, uh, maybe some of those deals fell through. I know when I talked to other people, their sponsorships, uh, dropped out for us. We were kind of fine because we, we sign our deals where it's multiple spots over a long period of time with guaranteed money. Um, and so it's like, if he loses sponsors, but he already dropped, let's say like a million dollars, it's like, is that just him trying to cover his base so that he can protect his people? And then you start getting into the nitty gritty of how people spend money, which is a little uncomfortable because yeah. right? it's like, we all speculate, but we don't know. Yeah. Um, and then I go like, okay, but I got to make sure that I'm not being hypocritical when I'm like, fuck Jeffree Star. But with Mr. Beast, maybe I'm making more excuses because I think that he's a good person <laughs> like i think it's i think fine. he genuinely wants to leave the world a better place i just think like you really have to like it's difficult to then make a video and say hey uh winner gets a lambo while people are hungry and you're taking bailouts to make that video i don't know to me it just comes out poor taste that's all i get you i'm like and I'm, I'm like us talking it out it's it's me and that's the that's the kind of nerve-wracking thing of me doing anything that's longer form and I haven't had the chance to like sit down for an hour and look at like something I wrote and go what do I really think about this? But I mean talking it out, yeah, it still it still rubs me the wrong way. Well, I just even my of, team they 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 cuz I don't follow everyone's channels all the time and they're like, you know, oh, this person like broke into a house and like destroyed it but then gave them a new one. I'm like, 
was that the best way to like make use of money during COVID? I don't know. Like, and I'm always trying to think like, how can we help everyone and grow the business? Like, so it's a win-win for everybody, but not everybody has that mindset. And who am I to judge? Like, it's not, it's not a judging Olympics. Yeah, I get you. But I mean, to your point, like, yeah, we both had the opportunity to take it. I've had to, because of COVID, I had to make some hard decisions uh, and try and protect as much of the, uh, you know, uh, as my employees as possible uh, in these weird times, um, especially because like when we don't have people in here, there's so much waste, there's so much excess. And But I didn't want to take that money because it just yeah. didn't sit well with me. It's like, yes, it would have made sure that certain things were more solid, but there are people in so many worse situations that yeah. it's like, it's like, why, why? Because what I do is so fucking special. I don't yeah. Know. I don't know. Well, it, that's the heart of being a business, like a, a true business tycoon, if you will. And why I could never see myself going into business because I judge people in my head, not in like an evil, like they're an evil person, but I just think like, why would I do that? So I don't think I would make a good business person. Because if you look at the folks that go on, let's say, Shark Tank, they're like, I'll do anything to make this business work. Yeah. And I'm not that. <laughs> like, if my business was only going to survive if I took a small business loan and I legitimately needed it, maybe that's something. But to give myself a leg up on my competition where I could have had a few down months, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I just food for thought. Food for thought. You know what's funny? Because I'm the person that's always like, do not judge. Like Kim Kardashian came out or something and said she was having a lot of anxiety about the pandemic. And people were like, please, you live in like you're trapped in a multi-million dollar home. Your problems are nothing. I don't agree with that line of thinking either. Because I think it's difficult uh, to put yourself A in one person's shoes. And just because you broke one bone and someone else broke 20 bones, it doesn't mean that your bone doesn't hurt, you know, or that you're not in pain or that you're not suffering. And sure, it's good sometimes to put things in perspective, but discounting other people's pain based on the fact that someone could have it worse isn't always the best solution. So I'm usually even more fair in these scenarios and like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And I mean, it's not always implemented evenly. I think a lot of people give me more credit than if I was an outsider, I would give me because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people because I but I've been pretty open, like I, I get concerned that my pains aren't valid. Um, and like, I also like resent myself for feeling bad when I have, uh, like we, That's, we talked about that last time and imagine my patient comes in and they're doing okay for themselves. And I'm like, but there are children in Africa who are starving. Am I being a productive physician? Like, no way. Like <laughs> that's just, that's not helping anybody, um, helping them reframe it and finding perspective on their own. That's one thing, but just saying like, eh, write you off. Hey, it's me interrupting my own podcast because I wanted to give a quick shout out to one of the sponsors of today's show, Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post only sends guys the best stuff every month. And right now they have a brand new seasonal box of awesome collections. So no matter what you're into, they've got you covered. From style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has collections for every aspect of life. And honestly, getting the Black Wolf skincare kit has been a lifesaver. I don't know about you, but uh, over the past few weeks and months, I've been very stressed out, which has done a number on my skin. And this uh, has come in handy, and I know some of you can empathize with that one. And for the next box, I'll be ordering the Cask, which is an awesome personal barrel for aging my own booze in my own home. Because I have apparently hit 
get that part of social distancing. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, to get started, you just take the quiz at boxofawesome.com and your answers will help them pick the right box for you. Each box only costs 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. It's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel any time. And you'll actually get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter in code DeFranco at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code DeFranco for 20% off your first box. But with that said, back to the podcast. To completely switch gears uh, and take advantage of who you are, uh, COVID. Obviously, COVID. like the week that we're talking, uh, cases are going back up in, in a, to a scary degree. Um, obviously we have to keep an eye out for the next one, two weeks to see what that does to hospitalizations and to the death rate or a death count. Um, what are you based off of like what you're seeing and what experts like Dr. Fauci and others are, are, are saying, uh, how long do you feel like we're in this version of it? It's all about life? the vaccine timeline at this point. Yeah. Before I but was, can that even, can, can that help us if we're in a place where only 40 to 50% of people are fine with it? Because that, that's the main it, issue, right? It also depends on how long the immunity lasts and if there is true immunity from mm -hmm. getting sick with it. So if you have 20% of the population get sick with it, plus another 40, 50% get the vaccine, then you could potentially get enough to a level where perhaps it's not spreading as violently. So I think that's the reality that we really have to wait on this vaccine, hope it works, try and get as many people to get it. Um, some highlights for me, though, uh, we've learned how to deal with it better in hospitals in terms of our treatment plans, our guidelines, when we should put people on ventilators, when we should not. So, to, so would you say that is in part why we've seen such a lower death rate compared to the, the rise in cases? A, the fact that we learn how to treat it better and we have uh, remdesivir, which is an FDA approved treatment for it. Uh, steroids are also showing some improvement. B, uh, we have more PPE available uh, and C, our hospitals aren't as overrun. In the beginning, we weren't ready for it. In Queens, there were people like dying of COVID in the hallways because we just, we, did, we didn't have capacity. That's why we had a naval ship here parked outside of my window. So the fact that these things are getting under control and we're learning more about it, that's why I think the death rate and um, the hospitalization rate even is improving. We're learning who we can keep home, who we cannot, who is at risk. Um, like intuitively, we would say those who are asthmatic are most at risk, right? Because they have a lung issue. And now we're learning actually like ob obesity and heart disease seems to be a bigger factor in whether or not someone gets really sick with COVID than asthma. Like that's unexpected. Right. But as we continue to learn more, I think we'll fare better with the illness. And um, I'm optimistic cautiously. Mike, but Mike, what are your what are your thoughts on stories like out of Denmark? I, I think it's it the the World Health Organization saying it's not a big as big thing now. But there was a story going around that the the government in Denmark were going to kill minks because there was coronavirus there that may be more resistant to vaccines. Like I don't know. <laughs> I, it it's, seems it's more so like a vet question than a a Doctor Mike question. But um, sure. in general. When it comes to messing with ecosystems, I get nervous. Okay. And a good example of this is on the northeast of the U.S., there was a proposition to use gene editing. I believe it was to treat like mice that were carrying around a tick or something where they would be immune to the ticks and thereby they would reduce the tick population, thereby reduce Lyme population, something like that. And I'm firmly against this. Because I think when you start changing major aspects of the environment, 
you will have major unintended consequences. It's like a scary movie in the making. So I, for one, am all about keeping it as natural as possible, unless like it's ominous and, you know, we're all going to die. So it's maybe slightly a parallel, maybe completely different. Um, what are your thoughts on, on, let's say if we had the ability to gene edit and, and try well, and, well, we you do know, have that ability. CRISPR is alive and well. And, and what kind of, what kind of stuff can you, what kind of stuff can you affect with that? You can affect individual genes where you can literally go in and change the genetic code of a living organism. Uh, we haven't yet done it um, in living humans, um, but we have done it before they're born. Uh, there was, a, uh, I believe, a set of twin girls in China where this was the main story that they were born with the ability to be resistant to HIV. And there was major pushback from all the major worldwide organizations because HIV A is not a life-threatening illness. So these girls would have still grown up fine. Even if they got HIV, we could have treated it and controlled it. So like to put them at that risk to change this single gene wasn't worth the potential downstream effects of what's going to happen. Did it turn out that everything that he, that they said happened was legitimate? Cause I, this was like, uh, I want to say a little over a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. This is about a year ago. Yeah. yeah Cause I, rem I remember covering it to a certain degree. And so I kind of remember the shadows of it, but yeah, my understanding was he kind he did it in secret. There were people saying that it was falsified information initially. Uh, and then there were people just saying that it's outright wrong to do it, but it was this, so has this been uh, confirmed? I'm, it I'm fairly confident that he did do it. Um, it's very frowned upon. There's rules major organizations that come together and set the guidelines for this type of testing. But, you know, individual scientists, there's like a documentary on Netflix on this where there's a gentleman that like does this on his dogs on his own in like a shed. It's like, and he actually made a hate video about me on YouTube because I talked about Chris editing. And then I saw him in this Netflix doc and I'm like, no way. Like, <laughs> he's literally like injecting his dogs and toads. And when I, and it, his critique to me in my video is that I'm fear mongering and stopping the progression of science. And that like, so what if we have different looking humans in the future and we can control it? That's where technology needs to go. Uh, I take that criticism happily because I'm okay with not making us into aliens and bionic people just yet. Cause so, we don't I mean, know, it, like we have to do it safely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, but that's the thing is like, how could you even, test it like what if you could do something that it's like okay this person we're going to change it we're going to make it so that if we do this thing a person's natural life will be 150 years like yeah, are you we're, we're not anywhere near that point we're like changing individual genes and like removing the idea is to remove the the illnesses that are like death if defects you yeah. yeah like so like pkd so or uh or something, something else like that, right? Like cystic fibrosis, things like that. Huntington's disease. Um, also, there's a gentleman in that same documentary, I believe, that was trying to inject himself to try and make himself more muscular by changing his genetic. I mean, like, but are you are you okay? I just like just go work out. Like, there's all these. But like, okay, but like, but like the the bigger health things. Do you think? Yeah, that that makes sense. That we should intervene. Oh no, no, for the bigger health things. Like, if you're trying to eliminate death unnecessarily for those who are truly born to the world yes but if it works for that will people automatically jump and start using it for other sometimes nefarious purposes yes what kind of nefarious purposes <laughs> super soldiers phil that'd be cool <laughs> you think so i don't know 
<laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I think I'm on board because I think the like the focus on natural, natural, natural. Um, I mean, you, we we live in this like world where we only see perfect apples when we go to the store, um, yeah. and and say what? Which is not natural. Right. Yeah. Which is not natural. Um, and so I don't know. I just I, I, if there's a world where, like, I've ever since I was I was like 17, I've been like thinking like, oh shit, when I'm 35 to 40 my life's going to drastically change because of my PKD. Like if I could make it so that like, or if we could make it where people don't have to worry about that, which is much less horrible than something that's going to actually like take a life uh, of someone that's younger or, or make a quality of life so much worse. Um, I'm for it, man. I, uh, I think I'm for it too. Look, I'm, I'm for GMOs for feeding the world uh, who are hungry. Like there, unless we see true potential harms from coming from it, realistically speaking, not living in a sci-fi movie, like, oh, GMOs, oh, that means your tomato is going to turn into a super soldier. Like, okay, relax. (laughs) But truly changing someone's muscular structure based on an injection, do we want that? Like, what else is going to come with that? Like, where do you stop? Are are people just going to start growing in height? Are we going to increase rates of cancers? Like, there's just too many unanswered questions when it comes to messing with the, this is the same as the ecosystem question earlier. This is just a human ecosystem. But if it's, let's say it's someone just making a choice for themselves though, I mean, should we really, should we stand in the way of that? I think because there's so many variables that come up into that scenario where it's what matters then? Like what, like we value success and happiness in one way now. What, what happens when everyone becomes muscular? What happens when, um, you know, everyone wants the same color eyes. Like what kind of weird utopia is this going to be? I'm, I'm genuinely scared of it. Does that mean it shouldn't happen? No, it should, but it should be controlled. It should be done slowly under the progress uh, where it's controllable, not just, oh, let's just do this in our basements and see what happens. Sure. Okay. So your, your thing is safety and ethics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not saying stop scientific progress. I'm all for it. It just... It can get really, really dangerous and really unethical when no one is looking over what you're doing. What about, I mean, it's just like how in the Nazi camps, like they were doing procedures to test on people. Do do I want to stop scientific progress? No. But should Jewish people be subjected or even black patients here in the US in the 1800s, 1700s, whenever it happened? Maybe I'm getting the dates wrong, but uh, should they be subjected to, you know, questionable surgeries because the doctor wanted advanced science? No, it should be done ethically. So it's not about stopping science. It's about doing it the right way where you're not just saying, oh, I'm doing this for the greater good. No worries. So completely separate from that, because with that situation, completely on your side. Uh, but with, uh, oh, fuck, I completely lost it. Son oh, of no. a bitch. One Find second. it. Find it. What are your thoughts, though, of like who gets to to choose the ethics, right? Like I remember... Over the past two and a half decades, there's been such a big focus and there's a lot of pushback, especially from, I would say, like more religious folk regarding stem cell research, right? I remember uh, being much younger, barely paying attention to the news and just being like, oh, yeah, something about the Bush administration and stem cells and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, we've seen a lot of progress. And I mean, even more recently, the what there was that like uh, that special drug that um Trump got after he got COVID where all of a sudden he said he felt like yeah. Superman. I feel like, I feel like I'm 20 years younger. And it's like, did they give you cocaine? What are, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is, what is going on? I mean, 
Um, when it comes to science and what the right path is, I'm not a bioethicist. And what's crazy is that there's literally you can just go and study this field mm -hmm. on its own. Like what is ethical when it comes to doing research, uh, to scientific advancements? I'm not an expert on that. I can tell you my own personal opinions um, in that I think that scientific research should be done without sacrificing someone else's human cost or human life. Because I'm more of a, a person who's, who values the life of the individual that you should not trample one person's rights in order to save the many. So like there's that classic example of there's an individual who's about to get hit by a, a trolley uh, and you could either let them get hit and save 20 other people or do you push them out of the way and allow the 20 other people to die? Like in that scenario, I think if you can save that person's life, you should save their person's life. So. Does that mean so, or throw the like it's actually the opposite sorry you, you could push them to save 20 people and kill them or you could let it and let nature happen and kill the other 20 people. I don't think you should kill the one person. Okay. Cuz I was going to say in this scenario though you pushing them in front of the trolley could make them not have a disease because <laughs> that's a little bit what you're talking about. It's like the, are you kind of touching on right to life in the sense of like being able to try an emergency drug? Uh I'm talking about um like the idea of experimental operations, um, right. taking yeah, advantage yeah. of individuals, like, like promising them things that aren't true. And if you're truly at the last stage of your life, and we, we covered this last time and you've covered it really well in terms of allowing experimental treatments here in the U.S., even though the evidence for them is not great. Well, guess what? If you're on death's door, like you better try something. So right. there should be a pathway to make that happen. And I actually do think the FDA has done a better job over the last few years in creating access and opportunities for these types of things. Because, you know, these pharma companies, they've also tried to be uh, sort of pushing this agenda because they want people to essentially be free experimenters. I was going to say, because there's and like, it sounds like that's a situation where it's like, it could, you could accidentally turn people into guinea pigs. Yes. So you, so when people are like, oh, the government won't let us do this, they won't give us compassionate use. If they're not, okay. they're trying to also protect you from being a guinea pig. And like, there's that fine value and fine line that who decides what's right and what's wrong. And like, there's never going to be a perfect answer. So look at you with your fancy water. <laughs> a little, what are you drinking? Is that, a, is that an alcoholic no. beverage? <laughs> I it was one of those sparkly, uh, no, it's a, vodka it's thing. a, it's a Celsius. It's essentially like. A Red Bull, but it doesn't make me feel like I want to vomit. Also, I guess right. I'll never be sponsored by Red Bull, but how is that going to happen? I'm not. But what about the wings, Phil? The wings. Red Bull was young Phil's game. Red Bull was Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull vodka all night. Let's go. Oh, let's go. God. I bet you got really great sleep that night. Amazing sleep, man. It's like, what can you put in a cocktail to screw up your night's sleep? Red Bull vodka. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a uh, god so but the problem for me is i now know way too much about red bull because i listened to a uh, an eight-part podcast about the rise of red bull wow it's a okay. uh, great podcast if anyone uh, wants to listen to another one business wars business wars uh i think it's a uh, uh, one of those i feel like wondery makes like so many different ones but uh but yeah it was like it was talking about how it came up and how it initially uh blew up because uh, I think a guy goes to China, he 
He like he chews on some root and he's like, oh, this is like amazing. All of a sudden I got this energy. He makes this shitty tasting drink. It kind of bombs at first, but then it blows up in the club scene. Uh, and it's like Ooh. off to the races from there. And I don't know. It's yeah. But my uh, I say my 20s were fueled by anger and, and, and Red Bull and a little bit of monster. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, look where you are now. An adult with Celsius. Yes. An adult with Celsius. Very European of you. Oh man, well I'm I'm only drinking this because I know that I I shouldn't I should never go back on uh, Adderall. <laughs> what about coffee? You're not a coffee person. No, I'm a coffee person, but I've gone to. Uh, what I'm going to try and do is I've been so focused on this is so fucking self important douchebag statement. I've been so focused on the health of the this country and and of people being able to trust parts of the news i feel like i've let myself go to the wayside even more like especially since we started uh doing stay at home like i was even before like in march i was you know i had some weight to me but i feel like i've gained 20 pounds like so it's not in a great place and so a big thing is you know in december i normally take my break in the lead up to that we might even pending we don't go into weird civil war territory I'm hoping, uh, you know, calm, calm people push through. Um, I'm going to try and focus a lot on myself. I've started, I want to say three weeks ago with couch to 5k, uh, that needs to be, uh, accommodated with, uh, better eating. I, I got a, a nice little meal plan that, Ooh. uh, I've been on and off over the past two weeks, which have been, cause it has been very stressful. And while I'm trying to swap bad habits out some help me cope <laughs> okay and fair. uh yeah but really just focus on uh on me uh because yeah that's that's like the best investment for the future of the show anyway yeah i mean if you're talking about keeping people uh invested in the news and getting accurate news they need to uh keep you alive and help yeah and i mean that's the thing though is even going into i need to finally lock down what i'm doing next year because in my head i'm like I feel like I, I feel like I got a taste of it this week where I was like, I'm going to get rid of today and awesome. I'm just going to do a sponsor spot. I don't need to pimp out a bunch of videos. I'm sorry. Cause I know I, I pimp you out. I feel like <laughs> one every four <laughs> videos you release. Um, and then just kind of abandoning the schedule and just making stuff when it happens. Cause it's like, I'm not late night. Like I don't, I feel like people tune in when there's something that's important. Uh, and so not uh, leaving completely, uh, and I'll still need my team. And so I feel like it's a, a, a net positive for everyone. It's like I can still keep yeah. people, give them more time to make the the quality better, give me more time to make the quality better. And uh, but that's also hoping that we're, we're actually for democracy and sanity. We're rounding the corner. I think we'll be OK as a people, as a people. I hope so. I uh, <laughs> I, I, I texted a uh, God. Very randomly, uh, Gary V reached out to me because that's what he does. Uh, he just like randomly hits people up uh, a few months ago. Yeah. And he's like, how you doing? I was like, I'm good, except for uh, I think that <laughs> we're going to all kill ourselves in the next year. And he's like, believe in people. And I was like, I'm trying, man. I got to I got to I got to yeah. give him a text today. No, he's right. I mean, uh, I, I always believe in the greater good. We'll we'll pass. See, that's the thing is I I agree. But over what period of time? Because it's like. We are where we are, but how many places aren't? How many places weren't? Even here, where when when were we not? When were we not? Sure. Because we we have a 
you know, I think we were all raised on this idea of American exceptionalism. Well, maybe not you. <laughs> you Russian. <laughs> Russian exceptionalism. <laughs> but it, we will beat you in chess and hockey. But no, you know, it's like I grew up. I'm in the I'm thinking in every way, this is the best fucking country. This is Disneyland with schools. <laughs> like we fucking crush it. Uh and every morning in this I mean, what do you think happens in China? But, I mean, what do you think they're But even like the idea that... of like I think back to shit in my childhood. The Pledge of Allegiance, if you think about it, is one of the creepiest fucking things on the planet. Like I'm pr- I like I love being an American, but like this yeah. idea of like indoctrination through repetition is like is kind of fucking creepy. I mean, that, that's just like what we've done as humans. It's not like U.S. is. This is why I don't get COVID deniers because they're like, oh, it's the U.S. They're trying to do this. It's like, no, no, no. It's worldwide, A. Uh, B, what you're talking about right now even with like the Pledge of Allegiance, every country has some weird no, thing and that I'm, they and that's do a, that every school And I'm not saying does, it's so. specifically odd to that, but when like so, but I still say, because I think there's this idea that, especially as things have gotten more divided this year, that it was like, almost like the American flag got associated with a specific side, which sucked because it's like, yeah. I am still yeah, proud sure. to be an American, but it's not because of American exceptionalism. I yeah. think it's because there's a good chunk of people in this country that really want the best for everyone. That th- there is this mindset of we can do better. We disagree greatly. And some of it is place uh, comes from a, a really horrible place. But I think we very much have this mindset of like moving forward together, succeeding together. Um, And I think, and like, and to the point of like, like the idea of nationalism, we see that pop out during things like the Olympics in a healthy way, I think. And that's the healthiest version of nationalism. Uh, But I mean, also after like terrible events, 9-11 and stuff. See, but I was even talking about that this week. Like, I think that's what kind of fucked me about this year too, is like you could look at COVID-19 and think that's going to bring us together and it's completely not. I uh, think it would have had Trump not been in office. A thousand percent. If there was this idea of- We're in a polarized time with the most polarizing figure leading us through it. Like it's literally like, it's not even gasoline on fire. It's like, I don't know what's a stronger accelerant than gasoline, but that's what it felt like. So yeah, instead of this thing that it, where it was like, we need to look- at this outside enemy and it got to not even be a people right it got to be a just a like a virus right <laughs> we, we got to say like the war on it since we fucking love doing we, we love saying a war on whatever um yeah. but but then it, it you know we turned on each other and obviously that that happened in situations like with 9-11 it wasn't just outward where we we're like we're gonna we're gonna get them and then that turned into this whole fucking disaster uh that was like not aimed at the right group of people and then internally like groups of people uh were persecuted and there was there was like a rise in hate crimes and and it's like it's very easy to forget that that's also the, the issue with time too it's very easy to forget that and think and just so like when you think back to 9-11 and just think oh yeah i remember all the flags like we were in it together um but then and that was my lived experience but then remembering yeah. that wasn't the case for a lot of people Right. Some people just uh, happened to wrap some shit around their head and that was different to people. And they were like, bad person. Yeah, I think like I try not to think in terms of outliers. So in a period of 9-11, there was really messed up stuff that happened. I mean, racism. I grew up in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, which was heavy Muslim community. Yeah. So like, I, I felt they were my friends. I was surrounded by them. Um, so I definitely saw that happen. 
would I say that that's the majority or the significant majority of what was going on in America at the time? I don't think so. So while maybe romanticizing it isn't 100% accurate, it is what was happening for the majority of the time. So I do like to think that was a time that brought us together. And there will always be just different lived experiences. Like even looking at a time like COVID-19, if you live in a community that's not right now, or let's say in April, heavily affected or in May, heavily affected by COVID, and you're not allowed to go to work and make money to support your family, I can see how that person can get to a point of being pissed off. So like, because we're talking about numbers and scale and such big scale, 320 million people, there's just bound to be people who are going to be ticked off for one reason or another. So like, we have to not like lose sight of our inability to be able to think in scale of what 320 million people are yeah. like. <laughs> also really quick, because <laughs> I just feel like I need to say it to any Sikhs watching this. I'm not trying to downplay. Uh, I don't know what it's called. Do you know? The, the in rap, India, there was like a, um, the rap, a turban. Yeah. Okay. So I will just use that word. I just, what I'm just trying uh, like to if, say if is females wear burqa and males turbans. I don't know yeah. if I'm getting that But right. it, the main thing is like, I'm just t- trying to say that it's like, because someone looks slightly different and had like a piece of cloth on their head. I don't want to, I don't, yeah. I don't want to be like, and I'm shitting all over your culture. That's not, that's not well, my goal. No, I mean, for all religions, like, I mean, Jews wear yarmulkes and they're made fun of in certain communities and some people wear burqas and hijabs or hajibs. I don't know if I'm getting that right. But either way, it's like that's a religious practice doesn't define you as an individual. And the way that one person practices, not how another person practices. So while, you know, some people can have their own thoughts, like you should really judge based on the individual and their actions on what they're doing. Yeah. Not what they're wearing. Hey, you beautiful bastard. I just wanted to take another second to thank one of the sponsors of today's video. Squarespace. If you don't know, Squarespace empowers people of all kinds to create their online web presence or launch their passion projects, and it is a place that so many people trust and where everyone can find and make a home. It's also easy to see why. There is nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever, and creating a beautiful website with Squarespace's all-in-one platform has never been so simple. It is extremely intuitive and easy to use. Also, fantastically, it includes things that you usually don't think about until way after you need them. Things like gaining access to their award-winning marketing tools and analytics, and you can get personalized support from their award-winning customer care team via email or a live chat. Whatever you need, they are available 24-7 to help out. So if you want to check this out, you want to see why so many people love it, see if it is for you. You can start your free trial today over at squarespace.com ACW. And when, not if, you realize you love it, make sure you enter an offer code ACW to get 10% off your first purchase. But yeah, with all that said, thank you, you're welcome, enjoy, and back to the podcast. So Mike, what, uh, what, what do you doing now i know that i've i i feel like i ask you this each time and every time you add stuff <laughs> but are, are you are you are you getting into a place especially as we get into the holiday season where any of it's toning down or it's just onwards and upwards and nah, ex- ex- we're excess? expanding I, I mean i'm lucky uh because a lot of people are suffering financially so to have an opportunity to expand during this time is pretty incredible that the opportunities are growing i started a second channel called dr mike clips where I take clips of like things I can't put in a regular fun video, but we had a really important five minute piece of conversation um, about 9-11 or something. So I, I put that on the clips channel. We're expanding. We expanded successfully into Facebook. Now we're expanding into Snapchat, more employees. Uh, there's just a lot of work to be done. I'm still in the hospital two, three days a week. I'm covering all the holidays for my coworkers so they can uh, spend time with their how, uh, how many employees do you have? Um, I mean, if you take my management agent, um, my 
exact like independent contractors and employees, probably like 15. Holy shit. I, yeah. I, I mean, in addition to a, a manager and agent, I thought you just had an editor. Uh, I have, I have three editors now. Um, uh, two independent contractor editors. Um, I have a producer, uh, Sam, who I'm working with now to expand and do some really exciting stuff with. Yeah. So like the team is just constantly growing. We're constantly interviewing, constantly seeking out new talent and not to bring them on as independent contractors, but really to grow into something meaningful. And now I'm trying to grow into the product space and you know how complicated that is. You have, you know, your things going no, on. Tell me, tell me more about that. Yeah. Wait, like your, when you're saying you're trying to jump into the product space, what kind of stuff? <laughs> Um, well, for me, I've always been disappointed in how some health, healthy brands have marketed themselves with false promises. So I'm really trying to come in uh, with an honest approach to marketing the truth about it, so that it's more transparent. And I don't know, did you hear about this controversy with fig scrubs? No, that happened, um, like, probably happened three weeks ago, but it kind of got overshadowed with everything that's going on in the U.S. right now. There's this uh, multi-multi-million dollar scrub company called Figs. And they're kind of like the new player on the scene. So they're very hip, very modern, very chic. A lot of investor money, like Lululemon's a big investor. Last year, they had like $160 million in revenue, which is unheard of for a scrub brand. And they built their business largely on the backs of young medical students, nurses, PAs uh, posting for them for free or saying, we'll give you a discount code if you post for us and really taking advantage of the opportunity to get popular and to get a free pair of scrubs when we're all financially strapped as healthcare workers. So I've always been a, uh, like a cr- critic of this company because they've taken advantage of my image before we had to send them legal paperwork in order to stop doing that. They just ripped your shit. And they just ripped you and well we were planning on working together uh-huh. they had a meeting with my agent and then just went dark but continued using my name continued tagging me getting their influencers to tag me and things so we send them a legal cease and desist and they stopped um but what really brought them into the limelight and there's like dozens of articles written on this they did a marketing campaign of a female physician in pink scrubs carrying a, a, a med- medical terminology for dummies book upside down and reading it as if she's dumb. And her tag, her medical badge said that she's a DO. And, you know, there was this whole controversy about Trump's doctor being a DO. And they thought that's why he's making all these outrageous statements. And I'm a DO. And Joe Biden's personal physician is a DO. So like, I had to make a lot of education about like the differences between an MD and DO and how similar they are. And we all go to medical school. It's not a certificate. Like Rachel Maddow said some crazy stuff on her show. Like I never, I never thought of, yeah, how exploitable a group of young doctors would be because would you say that getting out of medical school or during that process, how much did it say? Is that 300 to $500,000? Uh, if we're just talking about med school, it's around 300 grand. Uh, if we're talking my college and living expenses, 500000 Yeah, man. That's the, that's the group to get a free cheap promo right, to from. Right, post for Jesus. free to get a free pair of luxury scrubs, oh. right? So, yeah, they, they got in trouble on this. And the more stuff I found out about the company, the more I couldn't believe it. Like, there's been allegations of fraud by their past employers. Mm-hmm. There's been uh, – there's a lawsuit currently ongoing against them for stealing protected assets. Uh, just re- I, like their past employees have DM me some really messed up things. Wow. 
that, that and I can't fact check all of them. So I've passed it along to proper journalists and stuff. But if they are true, it's disgusting, Phil, because they pass themselves off as like this high and mighty corporation that's helping people. But in reality, if this is what's happening behind the scenes, holy moly. Yeah. And it's the unfortunate thing is whether whether the stuff you're talking about or kind of uh, talking about is true or not. I think it's like we kind of just expect it, like being shitty as a company, uh, especially when like what worst case scenario, you get a little bad press and some fines. Like that's the cost of doing business for a lot of these groups. They're trying to like raise $2 billion value on a a $2 billion valuation, like on a scrub company that like, it it just, it's, it's, I mean, congratulations on the financial. But but if you like didn't hate everything else about them. How are the scrubs? <laughs> oh, the product is, is no, I, I'm the first one to say it. I like their product. I think they make a great product. It's a shame that their business practices are what they are because, I mean, there was people that reached out and said, they asked me to use my picture wearing their scrubs and they made me look thinner in the edits mm. and they took away my moles. Just like, how, how do you go off editing someone's, fo- like, I don't know. Again, did, did, it, did it make you, you feel? You shouldn't be doing this if you're celebrating people. Did it make you feel grotesque, Mike? Did it make you realize you 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 aren't just? A- I thought it was an opportunity to call out some shadiness that because they they just really put themselves out as like we're helping everyone. Like there's some potential evidence out there. They have like this Threads for Threads program where they say they give one pair of scrubs to doctors in need every time you buy one pair. And there's some theories out there and some testimonials from past employees about that being a complete scam. There, there's some feel like if I tell you, it's it's incredible. So wait, so because I know how we got got here was we were talking about merch. So are you going to try and launch a scrub company? Well, when I heard that they were taking advantage of students like this, what I did was I said, you know what, just to prove that there's good people out there, I took twenty thousand dollars of my own money and said, drop your name and address in this Google form and what scrub company you want, just not them, and we'll buy it for you. So I hired uh, one of my friends. To place twenty thousand dollars worth of scrub waters, and uh, he did it, and we were able to send those out. I think yesterday we just. Mike, if you if you launch a, a scrubs company, I will I, I will <laughs> I will I will join. I will invest. <laughs> but though it's not going to be a huge money maker because I want it. Like I want to have a good quality product, but I don't want to rip people off on the. No, I think I think yeah, I think you if if there is upcharge based off of because it doesn't sound like it sounds like it's a genuine cause like you 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 build it up where it's like a good chunk of the profits goes towards i don't know something that would help uh either aspiring doctors or new doctors because the the landscape doesn't seem very primed to to <laughs> to, to let those people live a fucking normal life yeah, anytime there, soon there's just a lot of shady i mean just like in any industry but you know uh, i'm trying to do the right thing and look with all the people that's signed up um the fact that I can email them and communicate um, that if I do launch a scrub line, that'd be, that'd be a great thing to share with those individuals. And I'm not asking them to post anything. I was like, here's just some yeah. scrubs. Keep them like you deserve it. Like you're healthcare heroes. The fact that this company wasn't doing that themselves is insane to me. I'm one person. I'm a scrub. <laughs> Why aren't they doing it? Wait. So, okay. So moving into kind of a, a product from there and w- what other kind of expansions? I'm, I always get interested when people are trying to go past their, kind of known videos Well, for example like i'm a big fan of tea and i've been a big fan of tea for a long time like green tea specifically yeah. like i've talked about it in my videos actually i think we had the number one green tea video on youtube it's kind of crazy views wise um and 
I, I've looked into sourcing tea and what that means. And, you know, I want to do it ethically. I want to make sure I'm not sourcing my tea from a company that has like child slave labor. Mm. So there's a lot, it's a very slow process and I want to do it the right way. And not again, not rip people off and keep people healthy and tell them the truth. Like these detox teas are nonsense, but it doesn't mean that tea is not a healthy thing to drink for you. So telling it like it is has always been my mantra on my channel. So I want to explore the product space doing the same thing, you know, whether it's a microphone that we use for our YouTube videos or a tea or a scrub line where it's just more transparent. I think like that's always been lacking in the medical space. Like if you need an MRI, it's like near impossible to call MRI places and get a fair cost so you can compare where to go. Versus if you want a nose job, it's very easy to go to the different offices, plastic surgeon office, because they have to tell you what you have to pay as opposed to what your insurance company pays. Right. And there's so much more transparency there, you could actually be a good consumer. So I want people to be good consumers. I want them to know what they're getting and to be satisfied with their purchases. So potentially scrubs, maybe tea, what else are you talking? Are you thinking more channels aside from the clips or what? Um, I'm thinking about doing an animated series uh, where, cause I know people love animations and there's some really talented folks that I want to employ. Like, I feel like a big benefit of what you and I are able to do is we're able to create jobs. Like that's amazing that people now can do what they love. Like Dan Owens, the, the guy that I basically started the channel with my editor and videographer, he used to work, for like Cosmo doing like five things your boyfriend, which is fine, but like five things your boyfriend wants to know about your love life or something. Yeah. And now he's doing videos educating about COVID. It becomes more meaningful. So like if I can create meaning, I can create jobs, education. We all financially do well. Like it's beautiful. Like that, That's the way businesses in my eyes should be run. Not like communism where everyone has to do this and has a role because I came from Russia where we escaped that kind of thinking where you're forced to give labor to someone else mm -hmm. and you can't change your job and you can't rise amongst the ranks. Like my father was a doctor in Russia, but his position in the police force was limited because he's Jewish. Like it's not even hidden. It was just well known. Like this is your position. You can't change because you're this, you were born into this. And that's the one thing that like really stands out to us as foreigners in America that we can, if we are hustling, if we will do you know, if we will put in the man hours or, or whatever, we can succeed. And I think that still exists. I do think the opportunities have changed over the last few years. But I also think humans have changed over the last few years. We're getting it's very easy to be complacent now mm. to sit at home, live a very comfortable life, get your Amazon stuff delivered to you, give money to this billion multi-billion dollar corporation, play your video games, live in virtual reality and not be motivated to succeed further. Like we used to be. So but is that, I think times are changing and that's partially what I think is leading some of this income inequality. So I'll, I'll ask this because this is a kind of a mindset that I had for a while, but what if that's like completely fine for someone? What if that's like, that is their version of success is because it's like for you to do more, right? When, or when you, when you're trying to grow stuff or get to a different level of success, you then have to put more time into it. Right. And so that might yeah. not be like for me, I've gotten a lot of value out of my work. Right. I, and I have this whatever thing, whether it's real or not, uh, of like what it means for me as a contributor to the world. Um, Which you didn't have three months ago. Four I know ago. you helped me become a slightly better, more, no, it's not more I hockey you. You version got there of on myself. Your own. I did not. <laughs> no, but it's, uh, you know, it's me kind of. 
going like, okay, well, that maybe that's fine for that person. Like if that person. Yeah, you're right. The, who, who's judging it? I, I don't think it's, I'm just saying like, when I look at those graphs that show income inequality changing, a lot of people's minds go to one place and I go there too, but I'm also like, what else is there? What else is creating this inequality? Like a lot of these things are so multifactorial, just like how when a patient comes to me and, you know, they have acid reflux. I don't just say, oh, you're a smoker. That's why you have acid reflux. Cause that's like the most common reason why they have it. But I'm like, oh wait, you're taking a ton of Advil every day and you're eating a ton of citrusy foods and you also drink a lot of alcohol. So in thinking like a doctor, I always look at these problems multifactorially. And sometimes I like talking about things that people aren't thinking about. Like are people's lifestyles changing in a way where income inequality perhaps changes drastically alongside with it? Wait, so when you're talking about charts of, uh, the, the income inequality and stuff like that. What are you, what are you trying to, to get to there? In my head, there was a chart that I looked at not too long ago about income inequality in the U S believe it was Sweden or Switzerland, uh, where it was like, you know, before the income inequality was like this. Uh, and then in the U S the income inequality started spiking uh, where the 1% started going drastically higher. And then the 99% started drastically dropping. And when I look at that, I'm obviously thinking what systemically is wrong, but then I also take it back to my patients. What do I see happening on an individual level? What are they doing? Like, is there something that they're doing that can potentially be contributing to this? That's an unhealthy behavior. And now when, you know, there's fast food for $1, you can eat and get a huge meal. And again, you could just binge and watch Netflix for $9.99 a month. And there isn't as much motivation to go and work really hard and get that. Could that be contributing? I think so. Is that the number one factor? Absolutely not. But it's something I, as a doctor, have to talk to my patients about. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I feel like over the past few years, I've tried to have a. I might be maybe, <laughs> maybe this is a. It's weird. It's like I want to say that it's maybe a, to a certain degree in an Italian mindset, but that's not exactly true because it's like my uh my my great grandfather came over and was like a hard worker, busted his ass to get over. But like whenever I talk to someone from Italy and usually it's like connected to family. It seems like there is this mindset of like life first work second, um, of just, and, and not to say like that there's the work's not getting done, but it's, uh, <laughs> to, to steal a phrase from, uh, stupid. It was an Emily in Paris, stupid fucking bullshit Netflix series. It was like Americans. I, I think I watched a couple Americans, of episodes. Of that yeah, it was like Americans <laughs> live to work. We work to live. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That sort of yeah. mindset. And, as they're smoking a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think he's like, actually, yeah, he's vaping uh, during that scene. Uh, but it was, and and then she counteracts and says, you know, I get a lot of value out of it, which I, I get. But then it made me kind of think, okay, is that also based on how I was raised? Stuff like that. But I think, and I think that's just me kind of trying to understand that, that, you know, probably a lot of us in a 40-hour 40, 40 work week when I had like a regular job, yeah, it probably was easily accomplished in 20, 24 hours. And you kind of just spread stuff out or go at a certain pace because you're just like, why? Like what, what incentive is there? Or even if there is an incentive, then there's an incentive to potentially burn out, you know? Um, but I, I feel like work-life balance for a lot of people, especially once you hit a certain level is hard. Um, but also actually not even at a certain level, because if you're talking about someone that's in a lower income situation, they're possibly working jobs where they're not getting full time or they're third party because uh, an employer want doesn't want to have to fucking pay health insurance um since that's the system we have which i will say that is yep. that as an employer that 
I hate that. Like I'm more than happy to pay for my employees to have health insurance, but I hate it because it puts that extra stress on me if like we need to change what we're doing and I have to let someone go and all of a sudden that affects their health. That's uh, a, yeah. I hate that. No, I, I feel you on that. Um, I can give you two very concrete examples of my patients from yesterday that will sort of symbolize what I'm talking about. Both patients, uh, patient A and patient B, are both very upset. They're both complaining about their current situation, their current lives, their current predicament they found themselves in. And I, as a doctor, based on knowing these patients for an extended period of time, have to handle them quite differently. Patient A has three children with special needs, um, a husband who recently lost his job, who has to work a very poopy job, if you will, for 12 hours a day in order to make ends meet. Um, So it's basically being alone, trying to take care of three children that require a lot of work, not being able to focus on one's health. This person's in tears. Patient B comes in, also struggling, has some medical uh, conditions that uh, make life for her uncomfortable, Um, also in tears, also going through a difficult time, is upset because instructions weren't explained properly about uh, making a specialist appointment right? Very upset, also tearful. And for patient A, I literally write a prescription for spending 30 minutes alone every day. And that makes her just completely ball out. We have a good conversation about mental health, how, you know, we've talked about this even with you, how important it is to focus on patient B. I said, okay, let's pull out the referral to the specialist that you got handed last time. And literally on the referral in my handwriting from three weeks ago, it says the instructions. And I'm like, I'm not going to baby you right now. Look at this paper. And that patient actually responded really well to that, that there was a little firmness to my voice where I wasn't just like fully empathetic. And sometimes as a doctor, you have to know that time where it's do not take advantage of this. I will be empathetic when things are going poorly for you or that you're suffering. But at the same time, like, come on, the instructions are written there. You didn't look at this. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you look? Why didn't you call? Let's figure out how to get you in control. What's stopping you from succeeding? And taking that firm tone is sometimes looked down upon by society where it's, you need to be empathetic 24 seven. And that's not true. You can be empathetic and strict and a disciplinarian. You know that with your kids Mm -hmm. best. So I try and like from my Russian roots mentality, as you said, Italian roots, bring that back where like, we need to be a little bit, you know, not as frail uh, as sometimes we feel we are because the human condition is to be frail and we can overcome that. We can go past that. We can have post-traumatic growth instead of post-traumatic stress syndrome. So I want people to empower themselves, study a little bit of positive psychology to know that we can overcome. And once you realize that, like, how do you feel, Phil, the fact that four months ago, five months ago, you were in a really dark place and you are where you are now? Not that you're a hundred percent better or that your life's great right now, but how do you feel getting through that traumatic point in your life? Well, I, I I'll, I'll, I'll thank my turbulent childhood, but I think uh, what that helped me with is understanding the ups and downs and my limits and what to expect and, and to know when I'm going to be able to go over a wave, right? Rather from like it looking like it's going to crash down on me. So yeah, I mean, part of it's understanding it, acknowledging my feelings. I like what you're saying though about to try and do something with a little alliteration, uh, have feelings 
but be firm, right? Because I think yeah. situational, it, 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 it does matter because, yeah, we don't want to, we don't want several generations of <laughs> babies, but uh, also I, I want to make sure that. Because it's, it, you're not judging them for being babies. It just, it's not in their best interest to be babies. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, I, I think that there's this like romantic romanticization. Oh my God. Why can't I say the fucking word? We, we romanticize, <laughs> uh, like being hard, being like, ah, when like, if you look to a lot of people that are like that, there is probably a lot of depression. A lot of people that like went through some stuff, probably also locked down, right. Suffer from PTSD. Um, and so yeah. I think it's, it's kind of trying to find that balance. Cause yeah, I think, I think it's a little bit situational. Uh, people do need to be able to help themselves, but we need to get past it. I, uh, one of my biggest problems and it's, I used to have blind hatred for rich and successful people. Now it's more targeted. <laughs> there, there, I, I feel like there's a lot of rich or successful people that believe that they are experts on everything, whether it be emotionally or business or scientifically, and they say, well, use common sense. Uh, and they're misattributing like those characteristics that success. Um, and I, I think it's, and actually I'll, I'll kind of ask a, a question to you and maybe it's, it, it's not so much the case in the medical field, but do you ever find, uh, that people that have a degree are harder to move from positions that they've held in the past? Absolutely. As, as you become smarter, the more you're able to convince yourself of your own okay. position. So your cognitive bias actually goes Because that's up. what I was, I was wondering, because I feel, so you're, you're I feel right. that too. And I wonder also for someone that's like a doctor or a, an esteemed scientist, if outside of that, they feel more confident of things that are outside of their expert expertise or maybe are more emotional. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's very individual dependent. I mean, I've seen, I mean, how many patients have I seen where, you know, I assumed something about the patient horribly incorrectly based on their position, their education, uh, their race, their language that they speak and have been proven wildly wrong. So it's been such an educational experience for me being a doctor and learning that there's no one size fits all philosophy for everybody, knowing that people have different perspectives based on their lived experiences and what's been taught to them culturally. Uh, but, you know, the pendulum swings sometimes in the extreme direction and it takes time to get back to the middle. And, you know, I and you are sort of the sources that people look for to sort of bring us in the area to be where we're most accurate. And you and I are not always going to be accurate. We're going to take stances that are wrong. Um, I'm sure if you look back on who you were three years ago, five years ago, you'll be saying, oh, that person didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. And that's good that you're able to look back at that and learn from it because I do the same. Like the doctor I was five years ago is not the doctor I am now. And what that means is we're learning and we need to be humble and face this with a level of humility. That's why I'm such a Dr. Fauci fan. Every time he goes on air, he is so humble that he never claims to have all the answers. He claims only what he knows. He explains the reasoning behind what he's doing. So to badmouth him, you are going to lose. Like I, like I will go out and venture and say he's probably going to lose. But if President Trump loses this election – it's because he went against the CDC, Fauci, and the stance he took within the last two months surrounding COVID-19. I really think that is the sole point where he lost some people that would have 
otherwise voted for him. You know, it's an interesting point because I, I want to agree, but then I also see reports that in places that voted heavily on Trump, it's the places that we're seeing massive spikes right now, or a number of the places that we're seeing massive spikes right now. And so it's yeah. it's one of those things of, you know, yeah, how much is that the case? Obviously, with an election that was this close, but also not because of the popular vote, but this close, um, yeah, if it's just 3% of people, that's enough, right? And it's that is, yeah. I mean, because there's just no way you can defend your policies on immigration, on e- economics, uh, whatever it is you want. But when you start attacking individuals who are really just trying to do their best and you're trying to downplay 200,000 deaths as if it's completely nothing and going to these extreme things, you're just – you're even if like it's not in the state where it's happening, you're just going to alienate people. And you've seen uh, the history of the United States where one of the first televised debates like – People judge who won the debate based on who looked healthier, who looked better, whose makeup looked better. It's very easy to swing a person's mind into who they're going to vote for. And I think this last month or two surrounding COVID have been just atrocious for President Trump. And I really think that's his downfall. Interesting. Hey, you beautiful bastards. I'm just taking another second here to thank one of the sponsors of today's episode of A Conversation With. Vessi. Honestly, it's hard to find lightweight shoes that actually keep your feet warm and dry through rain, snow, mud, and Vessi definitely surprised me with these. Vessi makes 100% waterproof and snowproof sneakers that are incredibly comfortable, breathable, and actually very stylish, and definitely are better than some clunky snow boots. Personally, I wear their Cityscape sneakers in their latest weekend shoe. Also, their Dymatex material is a dual climate knit, which keeps you cool in summer, warm, and winter, which it does make a difference as far as an everyday shoe, especially for the upcoming wet season. And these shoes are perfect for running errands going to the gym, going to the park with the kids, or even just muddy hikes. Just rinse them off, throw them in the washing machine, boom, it's that easy. And be sure to check out their incredible early Black Friday offer right now and grab yourself a pair for the rainy season while they still have your size. You can thank me later, but first, go to Vessi.com slash DeFranco, and if you miss the sale, do not stress because you can still use code DeFranco at checkout to get $25 off. And with that said, back to the podcast. Actually, on the note, though, of uh, kind of getting locked down in a position and trying to remain open, when was the last time you had a disagreement or a different mindset and someone convinced you that maybe you were wrong or they convinced you of their point of view that was that you didn't initially have? I'm trying to think what's been happening with COVID. I don't think anything specific happened. I did get into a really interesting conversation with someone... Um, you know, like these uh, motivational podcasters, if you will, mm-hmm. like, you know, like not Gary V's of the world, but somewhat similar where they're motivating people to do, you know, just go all out, work your tail off. And I would view that as a doctor. I would say like, look, this is not the end all be all for success. And this is not like you don't need to kill yourself. You don't need to work 120 hours a week to be successful. Finances aren't the only measuring bar. But talking to them and speaking to them about the successes they've had with individuals who it has worked for, and it is a pre-selected population, I think it is a fair way to go about it. And I think that content should exist. And I think I changed my mind on it somewhat because initially I was quite down on it being like, oh, come on, like everyone needs to hustle and bustle like you. That's not real. But for the people that need it or wanted it, just like the firm conversation I had with the patient, maybe it is what's right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, especially in the last six months, I feel like there's a conversation of is it completely off base or is it is it something that is helpful? Because, you know, some people, I think, by having a focus on 
you know, you're going to have a lot more time potentially to yourself in less than ideal positions, but time is the most uh, important resource that we have um, to yeah. like bust your ass, do something. But then at the same time, <laughs> feelings, but firm uh, understanding, like you don't need to thrive in this moment, right? This is a moment of survival over everything else. And a big part of that is emotional health. I mean, I, uh, I'm at this place where I'm like, uh, I just had my, uh, first appointment in a long time, uh, talking about possibly trying some, uh, SSRIs for the first time, uh, which mm -hmm. is like, I'm trying to feel it out. Cause I, I don't know if what I've been feeling, which prior to the last two weeks where I was like, I got really focused and like threw myself into the work more. Um, I was feeling really heavy, like don't want to get out of bed sort of shit. Um, and I was mm -hmm. like, is this situational? Is this seasonal? Do I want, cause I'm very skeptical about putting anything in my fucking body. Um, As yeah. You should. And so it was just like one of those things of, <laughs> I've had the conversation. I really feel like I benefited just from like even the offloading. Cause, um, I stopped doing like occasional, cause I was still doing teletherapy up until about four months ago. Um, mm -hmm. And, and then I just kind of like, was, I just stopped <laughs> going to the, to the, to the zooms. And, uh, and I was like, maybe that's, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I just need to get back into the talking things out. Cause I've kind of bounced between those two things of, uh, I'm literally just trying to keep the ship afloat right now while chaos ensues. And I can't really plan out the company until we know what's happening with the election. Cause that's going to change what I want to do with news and what I want to do with my life. Um, and, and then, yeah, but at the same time, like really going all out and try and like doing my best job, it's just th that balance. Well, that balance, what you're talking about is something I've been a little bit disappointed in the medical community surrounding toxic masculinity mm. and the conversation about toxic masculinity, because I know where that conversation came about. And it's a good conversation to have because when we talk about depression, the way that the genders experience depression is different. Like if we look at uh, overall numbers um, and when we look at toxic masculinity, a lot of it stems from feeling depressed because the way, the way the male gender experiences depression is through substance abuse, abusive behaviors, heavy gambling, you know, things like that. And they're still depressed. They're just showing it differently. Mm. Their symptoms are different. Whereas when we studied depression initially in the 70s, we labeled it the disease of females because we thought those who were you know, down, who didn't want to do anything, didn't want to get out of bed, that was a female issue. No, no, no. We were all getting depressed. We were just showing it differently. So toxic masculinity needs to be in the conversation. But at the same time, when someone grits their teeth and goes through something difficult at their own peril for a short period of time, that's not an example of toxic masculinity. There's still heroes and people that are brave and doing the right thing and taking the load on themselves, which may not be healthy in the moment, but still should be applauded and not viewed as a psychiatric disorder. So we need to be really careful when we talk about toxic masculinity and where we almost become destructive of what it means to be masculine. Because being masculine is not the only way to live. Femininity needs to exist. There's tremendous benefits of femininity that we don't even discuss because it's difficult, A, to have that conversation and B, not everyone is well versed in knowing what that is or how to even have the conversation. So I just want, while the pendulum is going to swing, 
to us to stay as accurate and as honest as possible about what's going on. I like that. Yeah, when I when I my, <laughs> this is going to come out weird. Uh, when you were saying that, I was like, I feel like this is very easy for you to say because you're like you're a, a tall, strong-looking guy who seems to at least a certain degree rather sem- sensitive or empathetic, but also a guy that yeah is can be guys guy might be outdated to say at this point but just like but yeah be uh be firm yeah i mean look i came as an immigrant to the states i was bullied i like i i I maybe i'm not the prototypical white male that's grown up in the u.s but at the same time i am a cisgendered white male and because of that it's difficult to talk about these topics rightfully so because you know we've experience the level of advantage here in the U.S., um, that doesn't mean we should be discounted from the conversation. We should just always speak with that advantage in mind and understanding how it makes certain people feel so that we can continue the the accurate conversation. Like Ben Shapiro's whole thing, facts over feelings. Um, Yes and no, because facts are really important. But guess what? You're not going to be able to convince anyone of your facts or have a true discussion over the facts if you just shit on people's feelings which is my huge critique of the stuff that Ben Shapiro does because he's an intellectual guy. He speaks with people from uh, the other side of the aisle quite often. They have mutual disagreements, but they respect each other as humans. However, when you start getting into this Ben Shapiro destroys people or what in the world are they thinking and you start putting other people down like that, that's a destructive conversation that is going to get nowhere no matter how good your facts are. So while facts over feelings could make sense in a scenario, it could also be horseshit. I feel that. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's a, it ultimately comes down to a, a balance of things. And I don't know. It's uh, a... <laughs> it, like, imagine I walked into my patient's room who is morbidly obese, let's say 400 pounds, 5 foot 10, whose health is desperately deteriorating because of their weight. And I walk in and I'm like, hey, you're fat. You need to lose weight. Get over it. That's facts over feelings. Is that useful at all? Is that going to help anyone besides make me feel better because I am taking care of my health? No, it's it's trash. So you really need to like understand that when you're talking on social media and you're talking to a general audience, you can't just be 100% facts over feelings because you're not going to be effective. And part of being a good leader or communicator needs you need effective. So it sounds like you're saying facts with feelings. Yeah, absolutely. There we go. Look at that. You just created your own slogan. Yep, that's my shirt, not yours. Feeling Fuck but you. Firm, firm, but feeling. <laughs> well, so I, uh, I, I did feelings. the, uh, I, I, uh, somewhat pointed it out and I was like, ah, fuck, I accidentally did the, uh, the Walmart version of it. Cause you, uh, what was your thing? It was, uh, anxious or wait, aware, not anxious. Alert, not, Alert, anxious. not anxious. The other day in a show, I said, uh, <laughs> patience not panic and someone was like you're just gonna do dr mike like that and i was like fuck <laughs> fuck i was like it's i think i stole it from somebody else too that's what so it is just we're it just, we're just slowly it's just slowly evolving and mutating i mean if you really think about it like i'll see my friends who haven't done a lot of philosophical or psychological reading like my high school friends and they'll say like they, they learned something about life and they're essentially quoting Socrates and they don't even know it or Plato or something. And I'm like, oh, look, we're all just recycling ideas. Like that's part of human life. We're making it our own. You know, that that book, the really popular book, Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Huge book. The principles have been known for decades, but it's been packaged in a way that's understandable, relatable, and it has a huge impact on the world. So it's not about just having 
a miraculous idea. It's about learning how to communicate it. Yeah, I, I do wonder then, like how much, how much of what we ever see now is original thought versus recycled and repackaged Very knowledge. Little. Yeah. Very little. Except the stuff that comes out of Kanye. All original. <laughs> for better and worse. Although I'm sure one of these artists who, I, I'm going to get them wrong, someone, Monet cut his ear off. Maybe one of these guys while on shrooms have said something similar to what Kanye said. <laughs> not saying Kanye's on shrooms. I'm not putting that out there. No, I mean, Kanye... Kanye is, uh, he's a prime example that I think he's, he's a hard guy to talk about because there's obvious and, you know, self-proclaimed from him, uh, mental health issues. And so it's like, you want to, like you hear that and you're like, okay, I want to be soft, but it's not being seemingly not being handled in a, in a way that is helpful based off of everything that he's talking about. And so you're just like, ah, do like. So I'm allowed to critique him. It's safe to say you're allowed to say that you're not a fan of somebody. I mean, you're not wishing him death. You're you're, you're not a fan of his. That's okay. No, but I mean, like before this election cycle, I was like, go away. <laughs> Just go away. You're not a fan of his. You're allowed to say that. And he's allowed to say that about me. He's allowed to yeah. say that about you. And as long as we're not like threatening each other's lives and crossing any kind of ethical boundaries, that's fine. Yeah. We're allowed to disagree. Like, it's cool. And especially, like, if you're not in communication with these people, to disagree in theory is even more okay because, you know, you don't even know what everyone's true stances are when it comes to nuance. There is a little bit of a gray area there, too, because it's like if you're just saying it online, using the name or adding, then it's like you are saying it to him, but you're not because you're, like, thinking that he's not going to see it. Because yeah. Kanye doesn't. I don't think Kanye – Kanye looks at tweets maybe – one out of every 40 times he opens Twitter. The rest is he's just like, I'm going to say some shit. Enter, enter, enter. <laughs> I don't know. I'm actually curious what happens in that household. It's a very unique place. I just, yeah. I mean, a guy that rich just doesn't get told no. Like, it's just, you hit a place and you're just like. I assume that too, but I don't know. Like, I've seen some very unique circumstances at some of these wealthy families what do you mean? that I've come across. Well, like, you know, uh, you would think that someone who is very heavy ego in public persona is complete opposite when they come home. Mm. And they're not exactly that. You know, uh, the people who are ultra confident speaking publicly are not ultra confident at home with their families and their families poke fun at them. And they've created this ego confident personality to counter what happens at home. Mm. So there's all sorts of unique situations that I've seen come up and messed up things happen to people's lives. Like never, like I think this is a good universal piece of advice and it's rare that there's good universal piece of advice, but like assuming that you know what someone's life is like is such a bad idea. It's such a bad idea. Whatever, even what you, you might be right about their life is like now, but what it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it's just, you're going to get it wrong. No matter if you think it's really bad or you thought it was really good, it's going to be wrong. I'm going to still dislike Kanye. I'll listen to the music now and then. You could dislike him. <laughs> I'm just saying to say that you're of 100% confidence of what his sure, life sure, sure, was. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. No, and I mean, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm basing it off of public persona and what is, I, I think, sometimes see, perceived as impact. And I don't mean like the uh, people that... Maybe Phil DeFranco. And I pose this question to you. Yes. Have you ever met someone who you had a dislike for that changed your mind when you met them in person. I don't think so. Wow. That, and okay. I like them in person. 
No. Like that you're like, whoa, I, I thought this person would be X and they're really Y. Wow, that's that's surprising. No, Because I, th- I know a lot of people meet their celebrity like idols and then they're like, whoa, super disappointed. But then there's people who meet them and they're like, wow, that person's so down to earth. I did not expect that. No, I mean, I've been very fortunate that anytime I've met someone, they've been what I hoped for. Like I, but I don't like, I don't look up to like your regular celebrity. Like I like Ryan Reynolds, but I don't like, if I had a conversation with him, I I don't know if I would go into it like with a conversation with you where I feel like I could walk away with something. I probably could because there's probably so much like cool shit that he could talk about or just something that is a different view of, of life. But like when I got to sit down, this is years ago now with Tim Ferriss, that was so fucking cool because I like I admired the, that guy and I admired his brain and how he thought and how he tries to look at a situation and dive deeper. And uh, I, lo- I loved getting uh, an hour to sit down and talk to Gary V because um, like a lot of people get to see like the motivational thing. But he asks a lot of questions and and then you just go, like, I don't know what the fuck I why I didn't think of it that way. And I think it's because. He he really does believe in what he's in, in part of what he's throwing out there in that he's in this place where he just looks to provide other people benefit. Granted, he does it with people that are so massive that it will eventually benefit him. And connections are, are a currency in this world or in, 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 in his world, which uh, is even bigger than mine. Um, but like those are the people. But if I don't like someone, it's usually based off of something really meaningful um and i'll i'll if i if like there's someone that i have an issue with that i see in person i'll do a head nod and try and not like escalate the situation now now anyone you get a head nod that gets a head nod from you they're gonna be like shit phil hates no i just i remember there was this uh (laughs) this guy that i think is huge scumbag don't even want to reference reference his name and a few years ago i saw him at vidcon and he tried to come up and i think he had this expectation that i was going to be like hey bro what up uh and like because there's a lot of that you see a lot of that in the community where it's like they have an immediately different reaction and if i have a different reaction it's because i'm not trying to escalate shit like i'm a very laid-back guy um but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fake shit with you and and so yeah and i think he that caught him off guard but it's like I, there's, I'm not going to like that guy because it's based off of him being a complete scumbag. Part of it was based off of uh, him putting out this uh, race baiting uh, lie. Um, I don't even want to go <laughs> further into it, but it's like it's it's the kind of shit that only like a full on scumbag does. Like he was doing so for attention and money. Um, and yeah, it's like I'm not going to be able to. I'm not. I'm never going to be able to sit down and talk to that guy. And if anything, I yeah. I end up feeling. Like I have issues with people that then give that person a platform, even if they see them as kind of more of a character, um, because it gives them like the ability to be seen as un seen as like not a, a threat or not a, a detriment to society when they are. Like it's we we have a real impact based off of what we do online, even if you're like oh memes. Uh, it's so yeah. I mean, that's no, true. I mean, really, I've more more often than not, I've had an issue where I meet people in person. There's a lot of niceties. I think I like that person, and then I end up disliking what they're doing later. Um, I've seen that probably in the last year and a half, two years, with people that I I, I thought I kind of aligned with. That I was because uh, I, you know, I I would think of myself as kind of a centrist for a while. Um, 
to a fault, uh, definitely for a while. Um, but then they I, they got to a place that I don't know. It's a <laughs> a place where I felt like they were just doing stuff for money and going down a really really dark path for money uh, because they followed the audience, which is very easy to do when you're tr- you 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 position yourself as centrist. Hey, it's me. Philip DeFranco. I don't know if you've realized that you're watching my video. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank one of these sponsors of today's episode, Caviar. You know, to be honest, some of us just are not cut out for cooking, you know, and, and whether it be a late Friday night when you just want to relax or a busy Monday after work where you just, you want to make your day a little bit easier. Caviar has got you covered. It's simple. You just download the app and you get local restaurants delivered right to you. And Caviar is seriously all the great restaurants. That is why you'll find the best spots in your neighborhood right when you open the app. In fact, they even have local teams dedicated to finding the best food in your city so you do not miss out. And with these local collections specialized by their amazing teams, it is super easy to find good food in your own neighborhood for whatever you're feeling. And if you're wanting something that isn't a full meal, Caviar is still the answer. They can also help you get ice cream, late night munchies and snacks, a quick lunch, a smoothie, a whatever. So yeah, whether it be pizza, sushi, dim sum, falafel, whatever food that you are in the mood for, get the Caviar app, get delivery, get the food you want. And fantastically, just for our listeners, Caviar is giving you 20% off your first order. Just enter the promo code Phil at checkout. And I'm going to say it again, because contractually I have to, but also maybe it'll make it easier to remember. That is 20% off your first order with promo code Phil. And what's that? You still didn't hear it? Don't worry. I got you covered. Download the Caviar app. Use offer code Phil. Boom, 20% off your first order. That said, love your face, uh, enjoy, and back to the podcast. Well, that's what happens. Like, uh, I, I don't know if you remember this whole situation with the pandemic when that came out, you know, that mm-hmm. fake documentary thing attacking Fauci and the CDC and all that. Um, I did a video, 38 minute video, like one of my longest videos, just respectfully point by point pointing out inaccuracies in it, very respectfully not talking about someone's past, just strictly about the, the claims that were being made. And um, I forgot his name. He, he has a, he also has a couple of million subscribers. He does a podcast type show. Um, and he reached out or one of his bookers reached out and said, hey, would you want to do an interview or like a debate with the, the scientists from that documentary? And I was like, that's interesting. Can you tell me more info? And then he sends me all this info. But bless you. And I was like, this is this is ridiculous. This is going to put uh, like the whole scenario into a legitimized state exactly. where it looks like exactly. this person is telling the truth, and here we are arguing these things. And I was like, why would I do that on your platform where I don't have scientific like checks and balances in play here? So I, I very nicely turned it down. And this person did like a hate video about me, like how dare I say yes and say no that even like past presidents never have done that and I'm this evil person or something like some but no that's the, that's the fucking Bill Nye Ken Ham situation it doesn't like even taking the biggest L in the world being <laughs> to anyone that sees the world through a more logical lens goes man that guy got fucking destroyed people who b- believe in certain things and to to move it to uh, i think maybe more closely to what you're talking about who believe in crazy conspiracy theories and misinformation are going to just see that guy as more legitimate because he is engaging in a debate uh and as a victim of like some sort of onslaught because people are like haha look yeah. at this person and it just bolsters them that's why when whenever like, i think this- if it was already blowing up still 
and I needed to make some sort of statement about it, then yes, I would have happily done that. But it was already fading. Why would I yeah, bring and, the and whole there, documentary no one, back in the spotlight? And no one fucking is owed a public debate, especially on their platform <laughs> yeah. of choice. And time being busy, like I would have to sacrifice something else in order to do that. Like it's it, it was all just, it is. In general, Phil, like I don't know what your stance are uh, stances are on these podcasts that bring on controversial figures to bo- bolster their ratings. But to me, my biggest problem is okay. Look, you want to argue free speech that you everyone deserves a platform, and you'll ask some questions. Isn't that no one pushes back on those people? Like they'll invite these conspiracy theorists and they'll never like give them a hard interview. Like if they were inviting true conspiracy theorists and they were really pushing back and being like, wait, 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 no one agrees with you. Tell me why you think that. And they were genuinely curious about this person's stance and they gave them hard questions. I could live with it. But they invite them to like, oh, and they nod along like, oh, my God, you're making these claims that the CDC is poisoning all of us. Wow. Interesting. No, not and interesting. Our fa- and, our, and our question. fact checker to try and go against this is uh, someone on Google and not an expert. <laughs> and also maybe we'll have another guest who's a comedian. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I, I feel mean, like, you. I, uh, I will say, though, at least Joe Rogan, like I watched uh, the first hour of Alex Jones thing. Joe Rogan really like playfully at best, but he really pushed back on Alex. Like he was like, Alex, you say some crazy shit. Like, I can't believe like you did this whole, he called him out on Sandy hook. So like, he really like hammered home. He's like, you're nuts. Like, can you not go to the, where the frogs are gay? Like he was very tough on him, which I appreciate. At least he's doing that because there's so many of these podcasters that will invite him on, get 2 million views and will not say one thing to question these absurd theories. And I think that's where the huge problem lies and where free speech is like, are you really giving this person free speech? You're not even questioning. Like if I came on, I was like, Phil, uh, you know, every time you do a podcast, like 10 neurons die. You're not going to ask me like where I got that from. With you, I might just nod my head. And that that's that's a piece of bias. <laughs> no, please question. No, but I, uh, I, I, I get what you're saying. And I think... I mean, it's not necessarily a one-to-one comparison and it goes straight to Hitler talk, but like, uh, I think that everyone should watch the movie. Guess who's back. It's not a perfect movie, but it hits on, uh, an important note. Uh, so it's, it's called, I think, I believe it's called guess who's back. Um, it's a movie I believe that came out in, I want to say 2014 to 2016. I remember watching it, uh, (laughs) <laughs> not to make the connection, but I remember watching it, I think just before or just after uh, Trump got the nomination or maybe even uh, the presidency. Um, and it's a movie about Hitler just popping back up like he doesn't know what happened. Uh, everything's as it is. It's believed that he like shot himself in his bunker and stuff like that. And everyone thinks that he's a Hitler person impersonator. And he's like this kind of like he's perceived as a really wacky comedian and it's like, and he's absurdist and no one should take him seriously. And because of that, he's given all this airtime because he's essentially this like freak show. But then he starts saying this really scary shit that is like connecting with people, especially in, in plays places of like blaming others and feeding their anger and fear. And that door was opened because he was seen as a ridiculous thing or a ridiculous joke. And I, I think you know, it's understandable that that's why we should be wary that Alex Jones isn't just like this 
random freak show, right? He is someone that actually reaches a lot of people that take him as legitimate. He can say as many insane, batshit crazy things. And then if one out of 20 things turns out to be true, then all of a sudden he's a legitimate person. And that's, uh, that's like further amplified by getting access to larger things. I do believe there's a good chunk of the population that won't go that place because they're uh, a smart human being and <laughs> their, their brain isn't still being, uh, molded. But I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that it's like, I would, he doesn't need mine. But I would never have him on. That's my personal yeah. uh, choice, though. Yeah, and, I think that's that's very fair. You're in control. But like, and with Joe, do I think these people are legitimate people, as you put it? I think they are. Like, whether or not they say accurate things or not. So, wait, what like, do you mean? Well, you said, you know, if he says one of 20 things that's correct, people start saying, thinking he's a legitimate person. Like when I view the question of is someone a legitimate person, we're all legitimate okay. people. Legitimate information yeah. source. Sure. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Everyone's a human being. <laughs> I'm not saying that he's not a, he's, he's subhuman. Or, well, no, some people will say like he's the scum of the earth or whatnot and really say like he shouldn't even be alive. And I think that goes too far. Yeah. But I'm not, I feel like that's a completely different argument than what we're talking about. Like I, oh, sure, I think, sure. I, I think that there's a real conversation about amplifying. Um, and I would, cause I, I do believe there is a, there is a place where you get, you get to a point where no matter Fact check, fact check, fact check. No matter how much it happens, if you're amplifying it on on one of the largest platforms in the world, one of the most, one of the largest thing, yeah, one of the largest. It's like it, it is one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Uh, yeah, and I know a lot of people that watch me will disagree. I I think that it is concerning. I'm not I'm not calling for censorship. I think yeah. I just I would not do it. I think I would be contributing I to think the problem. You're, uh opinion is very respectable and it's a very fair opinion and i could also see how joe rogan's opinion is different and i think those opinions can coexist in a healthy habitat um like you know taking that same example of um uh, these hosts inviting on conspiracy theories and not challenging them at all like imagine like using hitler as an example if it, like hitler was coming up in the world like young Hitler was in the U.S. right now going on these shows and would say crazy shit like Jews are the scum of the planet. They're rats. They should be exterminated. And people were just nodding along. Oh, interesting. You know, come on my channel. Let me get a million views. As opposed to if you had a person who's legitimate, be like, are you insane saying this? Like, where are you getting this from? And really talk back to him and have this conversation. I think that would win as opposed to just these commentators nodding along and being like, oh, you're doing a great job. Like those people I really don't respect. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's once again, it's, I think a situation that I just have to digest. Cause it's like, I appreciate him having people that'll push him on. Like I still remember Bill Burr going on and he's like, how, how are you going to like talk shit about masks, Joe? Like, what the fuck do you know? Right. And so, and so it's, <laughs> and so it's it. great that someone will push him on it, but then it's like remembering, oh, well, if Bill Burr's not there, then that's also a thing that's like going out there uncontested to a bunch of people that all of a sudden thinks it think maybe it makes you look like a pussy if you're wearing a mask. And so I don't know. It's a uh, having done this for so long. I I, I just I, I constantly reflect on the potential impact we could have, right? Because it's it's yeah. not we're we're in an imperfect world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what makes it better. But it, it, what I would say is rather than. And so I guess kind of comes back to the point where I'm not saying 
censor Joe Rogan. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, my thing is my personal choice is to not never do something like that. And that's, I think, what we all have. And that's why I didn't do the interview with the conspiracy theorist. So I sometimes, you know, our views will align. Oh, my goodness. Mike, I just realized we've (laughs) been talking for like just about two and a half hours. Uh, Jesus. When good friends chat, that's what happens. Is there a a final thing that you want to talk about or ask me or plug or blah, blah, blah? I want Phil DeFranco's official prediction. Oh, for the first six months of 2021. Oh, dude, why would you do this? I do, I do like that there's this belief that the year just becomes better because it no longer ends with a zero. <laughs> I, uh, as far as the first six months, well, I mean, a lot of it depends on what happens over the next two, right? Um, and I mean that in the I sense of prediction. like, let's starting like, I, I, uh, let me, let me, let me talk it out. Happens. Let me talk. I know, but let me talk it out. Cause it's like, I, I'm trying to take each day at a time. Today's a, a day of massive change. By the time Wednesday happens, who knows how fucking, uh, bizarro land, uh, where, you know, we're living in or what kind of bizarro land we're living in. Um, cause it's like, okay, uh, let's say tra- transition of power looks like it's going to happen. Right. Uh, then we also have, uh, it uh, looks like a special election in Georgia changes Senate changes the complete dy- dynamic of our government, depending on who wins there. As far as like if the Democrats have complete control or if there is a, you know, you have to work with Republicans in the uh, in in the Senate. And that matters because of coronavirus relief. It, that matters because of, uh, you know, the, the economy in general. Um, and then, of course, just uh COVID-19 in general, right? Even with the relief, like how far does that rage? Uh, I think that maybe we get to like a half, <laughs> halfway to normal, that things start working, but we're going to feel the impacts of this last year for like a decade. Like we're the, in what sense? In the sense of at the very least, I mean, we talked about it with uh, Andrew Yang when he came on as far as permanent job loss. Uh, that's a very real thing. A number of businesses, including mine, which is a small business, uh, rethinking, uh, what we need. I, there, I think there's a possibility that, uh, uh, as far as jobs, a lot of people realize they don't need as many people. Um, I feel like as far as jobs, they realize they don't need, uh, locations. So do we see a massive dip in the commercial real estate space? Um, how does that, impact uh everything else if certain people are no longer getting money uh, whether it be on a small level of jobs or or large uh, corporations uh it's a it's a big question mark and what i kind of hope is that the scar isn't as big as uh as as it seems right now uh cuz i do worry i worry about a lot of people cuz you know you talk about a, a small percentage of americans that's still millions of people that's millions of human beings uh, to kind of bring it back to when we had that misunderstanding. Um, millions of valid lives impacted. Um, but I don't know. I mean, as far as what I can do, I think, or as far as what the year will look like, all I can control is what I do. Um, and I'm going to try and think about the betterment of mine and the betterment of whoever else is outside of that, that I can have an impact, whatever that looks like. And that's all I can control. Um, I can predict my own actions. Okay. Well, what are your actions? What's going to happen? Are you going to do what you said earlier? That you're going to have this less episodes a week, but still keep going strong with better quality? Yeah, I think it starts with me connecting more with my kids. Uh, I think that's that's like a kind of a, a big key thing. Um, 
just because I'll never get this time back. And so I think, you know, that it starts from there. Um, and then like actually thinking of trying to, to fund more charitable works. I think, you know, in the past, I think that I'm contributing by getting other people to donate or just donating money. But I don't know. I think I want to see a more, I want to create or engage in opportunities that impact people on a more like one to one or one to 10 level, right? On a more, I miss people, dude. Like I, I never realized the, imp the importance of other, of being with other human beings. And, and <laughs> I feel like when we met in person, you said you hate people and now pandemic time. Oh, I like, still I hate people, people, but I want to love people. I want to, yeah. to be able to share, you know, to a, a, an understandable degree, good or provide opportunity. Um, Cause I don't know, like, cause what, what the fuck else, you know, are we doing here? I don't, cause I, you know, I come from a standpoint of, I, I was raised religious, but I don't, I don't believe in like an afterlife. I think that what we do here is made all that more important cause we don't have more time. Uh, and so, and, and I, yeah, I get to go like, I think I have an impact on the world with my job and stuff like that. And I'm, but I don't know that that's ideas and sure there's a butterfly effect and the, hopefully it's a net good, but there's something else. There's something else there that's not missing. And uh, I think part of the, the year is finding that. And th those are my actions. But what are, what are your predictions for the first six months of 2021? Um, first of all, I was going to say, I hope you enjoy that ride because that's, I feel like, part of the process. Um, as far as my 2021 prediction, um, I hope there will be less, and I predict that there will be less resistance to the COVID vaccine than we expect. That in order to return back to work, in order to return back the economy the way it is, that we come together and really put our trust in these agencies to do the right thing. And uh, we get over it faster than expected. And we lose, like once coronavirus and the COVID-19 virus is in our rearview mirror, we do not hold on to some of these practices that people are like suggesting we do. Like we shouldn't shake hands with people anymore because that's disgusting. Or we should just wear masks on planes anyway. No, I am firmly 1000% humanly against this line of thinking. Not only long-term is it not healthy because you stop challenging your immune system, but I think we already are losing some of our humanity with social media and not interacting as much as we are with this lockdown, but covering our faces, not making physical contact with other humans will be worse for us. So I hope to return back to a state where we can hang out sans mask with a handshake, with a hug, as I do with my patients. Um, because one time there was like a proposed legislation to remove hugging as like a proposed, like to, to remove hugging for doctors with their patients because oh. some doctor did something inappropriate. I'm like, that is insane. The hug is like my most powerful thing when someone's truly suffering and crying to be embraced by another human. Get out of here with that. Take this <laughs> Well, that's where we're going to end, Mike. I appreciate uh, you spending... Virtual hug. Virtual hug. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I appreciate you spending some of your Friday with me. Um, I am going to try and sleep for an hour because I am I just haven't slept at all this week really barely um, Power I'm, I, 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 I'm not going to complain more about that since you're a fucking doctor with a company <laughs> as well uh, but yeah I appreciate you buddy and, uh, and I look forward yeah, to for talking sure. to you soon yeah thank you for the opportunity and uh, I hope we all 
we'll become better humans in the process. Nah. <laughs> Not for a bit. 